Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hello, listeners. I'm doing something a little bit unusual in that I am splitting up the interview with Lisa Kagan. um, And instead of playing the first part of it this week, I'm going to be starting with the second part. And the reason I'm doing that is because she has a really wonderful retreat coming up in about a month and a half. And if anybody's interested, I want to give you plenty of time to make the arrangements to go on that retreat. On the next episode, we will be listening to the first part of the interview where she's talking more about her life story business. So on this episode, which is episode 65, we get to hear Lisa talk about how she uses retreats and workshops in particular to bring more people into her business, but even more than that, to help people tap into their own creativity and become really an active participant in the life story projects. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Again, stay tuned for the next episode, 66, where we talk about her life story business. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Lisa Kagan onto the show. Lisa is a writer, an artist, an educator, and a personal historian. Her business, Family Heirloom Arts, is dedicated to helping people, families, and individuals alike celebrate their life stories and significant life milestones through their creation of illustrated heirloom books and custom art. Family Heirloom Arts offers a comprehensive set of services to help individuals and families preserve their life stories, including project organization and management, oral history interviews, transcription, writing, text editing, photo scanning and restoration, costume heirloom art illustrations, and book layout and design. And Family Heirloom Arts also offers art and writing workshops and retreats throughout the Pacific Northwest. And that is something that we are definitely going to talk about today. Okay, your workshops, um, you in a previous conversation that you and I had, you were talking about how you had started off in um, arts education and social sure. services, and you drew on that to facilitate these groups. So tell us a little bit, um, I think you have a couple of different types of um, workshops, or it sounds to me like maybe some workshops are really geared towards doing um, a a family history or a life history project, and then some are a little bit more open-ended. I'm not even sure if I'm getting that right, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what you offer? Sure. So as you mentioned, I do have a background in arts education and um, have done kind of process arts work with um, students and clients in social service settings as well. And so when I started doing my personal history business and the educational part was a big part of the early services I provided. Um, And I've been doing this for about 13 years. So when I first started, I was teaching a lot because that's what I had been doing before I started um, this business. And so through that, I developed a variety of programs and I can kind of outline what what they are. Um, So I do have, as you mentioned, a whole cross-section of programs um, that focus really on helping people who want to work on their own projects, um, their own life story projects, personal history projects, you know, family history projects, get started, um, figure out how to move forward, figure out, you know, this is, as we know, it's pretty complicated once you get into it and people get excited about it, but then they don't really know what to do next. And sometimes people end up hiring you and they become a client, but I have found that 
being able to that community members who are interested being able to come to a two hour workshop is not a huge commitment. And we get to we get to connect, um, but also they get to try their hand at some of these things. And so I've offered for a number of years um, a variety of programs through the Multnomah County Library System, which is our local library system here. And uh, there may be these type of programs in other libraries throughout the country where the library pays the instructor and then it's free to the public and people, whoever can want, you know, whoever wants to come can come. And it's very low. Um, it's low commitment. It's low stress, especially because it's free to them and they get to come and explore. And so I've done those all over the city for many years. And we often do something like the art of personal history tips for creating your own illustrated family heirloom book, or another workshop I do is exploring the power of stories um, and we explore a significant family story that's um, had a, a big impact on shaping who they are and what they believe is valuable to pass on to the next generation. And so these workshops are usually a mix of creative writing exercises, um, some group sharing and discussion, and, and the process of me sharing sort of the how-to of how I create these books, how you can get started, things to consider, what to do with the skeletons in the closet, what to do with the family member you're not sure is going to be excited about the process. So there's a whole line of workshops I do in that in that vein. And I've done those, like I said, mainly through library systems, sometimes through other art centers or community centers, sometimes through, um, you know, synagogues or churches or that type of thing. Um, other places where people gather um, and are part of communities in that way. The other sort of line of workshops that I've done, and I've done them for... Um, children for intergenerational groups and then just for um, adults is more the, the process art piece that I was talking about. So that's where they're exploring possibly a specific life milestone, um, life transition. Maybe they're exploring different conceptual ideas, such as the role of resilience in their life, um, or maybe a, a thematic focus, such as, um, you know, how place has impacted their sense of who they are or um, cultural and traditions that they've inherited and how they've either reacted to or um, moved away from or carried on those traditions in their own lives. And so I have the, all these different themes and topics I put together. And these are typically these I call them like specialty workshops where people come and dive into a creative process. And it could be a you know, a two hour workshop, it could be a four hour half day retreat. And I call it a retreat because that my studio and we have sort of a, a wooded or like a kind of lush cottage, um, Pacific Northwest sort of nature environment around our oh, house. Lucky you. <laughs> and we live in the city. So don't picture like, you know, acres and acres of land, but just um, every and, time you've said, every time you said studio during this interview, I just sort of melt like, oh, I want that. I don't even know what it looks like, but I, I have a picture in my head. Um, and so for those half day retreats, you know, I provide snacks and tea and encourage people to walk around the garden and I give them like some walking meditation guidelines and um and we usually do a mix of of creative writing and reflection that then leads into a visual art component in the second half of the retreat or workshop um sometimes I'll teach classes that have multiple sessions um where people are coming back once a month or once a week for a period of time um and so those are they, they there may be an outcome where they've written a piece that they love or they 
have created a piece of artwork that is really important to them. But there's no set um, product kind of outcome in the sense that they may have created a bunch of things that are really significant to them afterwards, but they want to keep them private. They don't want to publish them. They don't want to edit their stories. They don't want to share them. And for other people, that could be the seed for a whole, you know, life storybook um, that they could create. So those workshops are really designed for people to come and explore and have an experience. Um, and what comes of it is really up to them or up to the sort of alchemy of the moment. Um, and I have met a lot of people who eventually become my clients through these, but I also have a number of people who come back, you know, season after season or year after year to take these workshops. And um, that's, that's the way in which we connect through life storytelling. And they carry that on into their own creative practice or their own life. Um, and for the intergenerational workshops that I've taught, that's a way for a child or it could even be an adult child and their parent or grandparent to come together to have an interactive experience that's um, reflective and creative. That's where the container is being held by me in this case, but by someone else. Um, it's not something that's happening kind of on their own within their own family unit, um, but they're joining a community of other families or other people who are also interested in exploring um, their life stories or personal stories or life milestones um, in this way. And I always put the note, like no previous art or writing experience necessary. And I really do have people that some people who haven't done any creative visual work since they were in kindergarten or whatever it might be. And other people who are professionals in, in the visual art or creative field, but don't have a lot of space for like personal exploration and creativity outside of their, their work life. Um, and, you know, everything in between and same with the writing, you know, that um, Portland women writers, it's a whole kind of other topic, but we use um, the Amherst artists and writers method based on oh, the, I love that method. Yeah, right? yeah. Based on the idea that everyone has a voice that anyone can write or be an artist. And um, we, so we do a lot to create a safe space for people to explore with and reflect within a group setting. Um, and, and I feel like a lot of that transfers over into the family work that we do as personal historians, because you're often navigating complicated family dynamics and different perspectives and all of these things. And, um, and in some ways, when you're in a, with a group of people, you don't know who's going to walk in a room and you don't know what they're bringing. And you want everybody to feel like they have a voice and they have a place and they're not judging themselves based on their skills or their past experience or their circumstances. And so I feel like that thread of the work that I do is kind of consistent throughout the workshops and the client work. Um, and sometimes there's a lot of crossover between those and sometimes there's not at all. Um, and so that gives you a sense. And then the only sort of other piece, I guess there's two other pieces I didn't mention. Um, one is also going into schools as a visiting artist and doing art residency programs with um, directly with students. And that's something I've done quite a bit over the years, especially with upper elementary and middle school students. Um, and on my website, you can see examples under art residencies of some of the family migration story projects that we did where the students were interviewing a parent or a grandparent about a family migration or immigration story. And then they were writing it up in the voice of, of the narrator or sometimes they'll write in their own voice. Um, and then learning how to create illustrations using reproductions of their family photographs with other art um, 
you know, drawing and painting, collage, that type of thing. So, and, so in other words, you're training a whole new generation of personal <laughs> experience. That's yeah, great. Yeah, you could think of it in that way. And usually um, we've done, whether we've had an exhibit at school or sometimes we've collaborated with local museums um, who want to feature the student work. And so that's a whole other thing where you're going into an existing structure, such as a school and giving them a taste of what you offer, um, but in a way that's obviously accessible to them and appropriate for their age level, but their parents also get to be a part of it. And so that's been another meaningful way to kind of connect with the community through the intergenerational work. Um, And in that case, you're really, you're showing up and you're collaborating with the students and their teacher, but you're collaborating with the school system too, and making yourself a resource. So, you know, that's, that's a whole kind of a whole other avenue. The last piece I didn't mention was my Art of Motherhood program, which also touches on the intergenerational part of family life, but more in the early years. So I've done a lot of workshops and like, and, and half day retreats for, for mothers of young children who often don't have hardly any time for self-care, self-reflection. So they benefit from that and connecting with other moms in their community. But they also, I think, get to connect with the fact that they now have their own family and that, you know, the family of origin where they came from and has has a big impact on their ideas about family and what's important. And, and so I've explored kind of the family history and life storytelling part from, from that juncture too. Um, and there's a benefit to the process part of it, but also a lot of these moms have recognized that they want their kids to know their grandparents or their great grandparents. And they want those stories to, to be connected, you know, especially people who are separated by geography. And so even though that's not typically the group that we as personal historians would work with as our primary clients, um, I found that work meaningful on a personal level, level having also having a young child, but also um, it's, it's the beginning of, of family life versus kind of having how to hold some people who have families of their own looking back on it when they're in their seventies or eighties. So that's also like another kind of life milestone juncture that I found to be really kind of powerful one to do the life story work with. It sounds so nice because you're working with all kinds of different age groups. Sure. Um, that must feel very fulfilling to have that kind of variety. And especially since it, you know, it very much ties into the whole thing about exploring yourself and exploring your family history, right? Absolutely. Going back to the workshops that are specifically for people who want to do a life story project, sure. are those multiple sessions or do you really try to get them going in a two-hour two hour afternoon workshop? Well, I would say it's a mix. I've done both. Um, I would say that for those listeners out there who might be thinking about doing this type of thing or who are already doing it, I'm sure people have lots of different ideas. In my experience, being able to plug into a structure that already exists for these workshops so I don't have to do all of the marketing myself has been important because given all the things I've mentioned that I offer and that I do, I realized that marketing the workshops is a whole other job from actually teaching the workshops. And so having without having a marketing team, um, being able to offer something through an existing structure like the library system, which I mentioned, has been really important because it allows people to come for that two hour window. They usually don't do a lot of repeat, like multiple session offerings. So those are usually two hour programs. And so that's something I've done consistently. So like every season, somebody, 
and I'm not doing those as much right now um, because I'm doing more with Portland Women Writers. Um, but in general, every season, people can look on my website, find somewhere in the city where I was offering one of those two-hour programs, and they could get a taste of it. And so that that has always been sort of a consistent part of my business over the last number of years, especially as I was growing the business. Um, and then I've had different community groups, such as 55 and over communities or different types of, especially like residential communities where um, people who are retired tend to live or gather. They don't have to be residential. Um, sometimes those communities will want to do multiple session classes. And so if they're interested in hosting them, um, then they do the registration often and sometimes we'll underwrite the cost of part of them or they'll just divide up the cost to the participants. Um, and then those will be going back and working with the same community over a number of, of weeks. Um, and I've done a number of those type of programs in different centers or with different organizations. Um, I do occasionally offer multiple session classes through my studio. But I, what I found is that a lot of people do want more than that two hours. Um, but sometimes it's enough to get them started or to help them overcome a roadblock they faced when they've been working on their own. Um, and some of those people do come to me and do consulting work because um, I do offer some like coaching and consulting. So people who want to meet with me for two hours once a month or every other week or whatever it might be, they might come to my studio and I would help them with whatever they're working on. And so that's sort of a hybrid offering between my client services and my workshops. Um, and a lot of the people who end up doing that, I meet in my workshops. Um, so the workshops are a taste. I mean, obviously, you can't help somebody create a whole book in two hours. But I really try to distill out what I feel are some of the most important um, elements to consider in the process and give them ways to kind of engage with that in relation to their own project. So if somebody out there is just getting going with doing workshops, or maybe even just getting going as a personal historian, do you have any recommendations on the type of workshop, maybe how they should, what kind of terms they should couch it in if they're going to try to pitch it to a library system? You know, is it about learning how important it is to save your family stories? Is it maybe having a couple templates that they could work with to get going on it? Um, how would how would somebody approach that as a rank beginner? I guess there's two parts to that. First, I would identify where in your community um, these type of programs are being offered for your demographic that you feel like is your, your primary group that you want to work with as um, clients or students and see if you can apply or give a proposal to one of these organizations instead of renting a space and then kind of pitching it all yourself, which I think is great, but can be easier to do once you already have built your network. Um, and then once you've identified some of those places, I mean, I found, like I said, the libraries, I found some of the churches and synagogues, I have found community colleges. And, you know, you have to, of course, compare all of the variables to figure out which of those are going to be a good fit. Um, and, you know, people do, especially the libraries, they plan months in advance. So you have to submit your proposal and your workshop might not happen for a number of months later, which is not uncommon. Um so there's that part to kind of sort out. Um, and I, I've done a lot, like some of which that were not necessarily financially that, you know, where a lot put on a lot of time and I wasn't paid that much. And others where I realized, you know, like the libraries were a good example in my case where they paid a flat fee that felt fair to me and they did all the marketing. And so that was like a good fit. And that's why I was able to keep doing it for so many years. Um, and other ones, I tried it once or twice and 
maybe made some great connections or had a good experience, but they weren't going to be repeat venues or organizations. And I think you have to be willing to experiment in that way. Because even when I would have a class published in the community college catalog, sometimes people would call me out of the blue and say, I saw your class in the community college catalog, and I can't do that one, but you have something else. And so that's also a way of inadvertent marketing where people are just learning about you. I love that, right? Having your program um, published in the community. So there's that part to consider, which is sort of like the mix of visibility and the financial feedback loop of these different ways of, of teaching or different venues. Um, and then remind me of the second part of your question, which was... Well, so if somebody has never done this before, but they want to approach the library system or, or you know, a synagogue or a church with an idea, where do you think is a good starting point as far as um, the what the content should focus on with if, if say you only have two hours and it's a, you know, it's a very big topic creating a life story book. Sure. Um, yeah. Just any ideas that maybe would be a good hook for a library who's interested in, in offering this to their clients or their patrons. Sure. Well, the first thing I would think of is maybe almost looking at it in the opposite way in the sense that I would think of what they're most excited about just because I think, you know, our, we tend to bring the most energy to the things that we're most excited about. So if you were to think about this, this type of work of whether it's facilitating, you know, a program for people to, to support them to tell their own life stories, or even with your personal history client business, like what are you most excited about? And for me, the things I was most excited about were the, the interpersonal interactions, the creative reflection piece, and starting to kind of bring to life things that, like put the pieces together of things that that maybe were buried in a box or were kind of lost in the recesses of their memory. So kind of like draw out that sense of inspiration and, and start to connect those pieces. And so for me, like those are the things that I use when I'm thinking about my workshop. I'm like, what's something that's going to help the people connect with each other? What's something that's going to help them um, tap into their memories and start to feel excited about their experiences or their stories or the pearls of wisdom they have to share. And I think less is more, even though I've, I've shared so many different things, but less is more in those two hours in the sense that one or two like really powerful writing or reflection prompts go a long way. Um, right. I think the, ex- the accessibility yeah. thing where you, whatever you offer people that they don't need to have any specific skill set in order to feel like they can quote, be successful at it. Because I think people are nervous to come to these programs sometimes because they don't know what they're getting into. They may or may not feel comfortable sharing or talking about their lives or writing or making art or whatever it is. And so I think it's like immediately making people feel like connected, like part of a community, immediately making them feel like uh, comfortable and then like giving them like an opening that's very easy to access. And so I feel like it could be like one of the ones that I use um, is, you know, to reflect or pick a story or an event. And it could be in your life or um, before your lifetime that you feel like it's had a significant impact in shaping who you are. And I kind of mentioned that earlier. And that's like the heart of my Exploring the Power of Stories project. And so that that one opening, which could be a lot of different things, is usually enough to get people kind of diving in. And then I also, and I think this was something I learned at one of the APH conferences at one point, but a lot of us probably use this, the idea of going from fact to memory to meaning. And so I always... Oh, I like that, right? Yeah, I always bring that up because 
there are the there are people who are really into genealogy and like finding all the facts and we talk about the importance of like accuracy and having information. A lot of people say, I don't know anything about my ancestors or whatever. And then there's a memory part where you say, oh, the people who know these stories are gone or whatever. And I'm always like, well, you know more than maybe the younger generation your family knows, right? So you remember something enough to be sitting here in this room, right? Um, Whatever it might be. So there's that thing of um, those two pieces, but I always really stress the reflection piece because I'm like, the reflection is where they're making meaning out of the information and out of the memories. And so I feel like a good workshop will allow them to go through that whole kind of arc in even in a short time. And so I always put some reflection questions related to that initial prompt in in like the, the workshop materials. And so it might be, you know, in what way, um, or let's say a good example might be, um, what do you feel like the next gen, why do you feel like this story is important for the next generation? What do you feel like they could learn from it? Or um, what's one pearl of wisdom that you've, um, that you could pull out from uh, this story or, or experience, this pivotal story or experience that you've identified um, that has helped you gain a better sense of yourself or whatever it might be. And so this isn't a simple answer to your question, but I think it's really like that part of it, I feel like it gives people a chance to dive in. And then I try to, to pair that, like a, whether it's a writing or a reflection exercise. Um, and we usually do that part kind of first after people have had a chance to go around and maybe say what brought them there today and introduce themselves like in a real brief, brief way. Um, and then I really try to provide them with some tangible take home suggestions. And so I have like an outline of kind of the the phases or steps for creating an illustrated heirloom book. Cause I bring these books and I set them up on a table and people are like, I want to make that, you know, and I don't want them, <laughs> right. I don't want them to walk away thinking like, great. I, I got connected with my inspiration and I wrote this story and I thought about why it was important to me, but now, now what, you know, now so it's I, done. Right. <laughs> I try to pair the first part of what I said with some tangible things they can take home. So outlining the step-by-step process. Um, I have a getting started worksheet where they can identify their audience, like who they, what, what voices they want, what perspectives they want to include in their project, um, what type of help they might need. So I have some like very concrete worksheet, worksheet, worksheets. I have some very concrete worksheets that also they can take home as tools that really help them to build the architecture of their project which is something that's going to happen, you know, outside of the scope of those two hours. So I try to pair the creative kind of inspiration, making meaning part with some very like tangible takeaways um, that will give them like kind of next steps. And I always have them leave with like a commitment where they write on a card and share it with the group of what, um, what one thing that they took away from the workshop that they're going to bring into their own practice or their own project and like one next step that they're going to take and that we're all kind of witnesses to that. Um, and though sometimes the next step is that they actually call me and say, I need your help. <laughs> but sometimes it really is that they'll work on it for months and maybe call me months or years down the road and be like, I've been working on this since I met you at the library and now I'm ready for your help, you know? Um, so you never know. So I'm 
kind of jumping to another topic here, um, because this is not the same type of workshop, but this is going back to the ones that are more um, about the process. And you have one coming up. I think it's, I'm looking at your website right now, self-portrait of the inner landscape, exploring personal mythology through writing and, and this is the good part, mask making. Mm -hmm. And you have some photos on your website of masks. I'm not sure if they're actually um, masks or if they're paintings of masks, but they're gorgeous. So thank you. Yeah. They're masks, yeah. but they've been painted. Okay. <laughs> they're, oh, I absolutely love them. I mean, the colors are vibrant and, um, and they're not creepy, which <laughs> very often can be. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about this workshop that's coming up in September and sure. uh, September of, two, of 2019. Yeah. So Um, this is a weekend long workshop, so it includes, um, lodging and delicious, um, delicious meals and a chance to be immersed in, um, the beautiful Oregon forest. Um, it's about 45 minutes outside of Portland at Alton Collins, um, retreat center. And all this information is on my website. Um, I might just give you a, read you the brief description of what we're going to do. And then I can tell you a little more about it. Um, okay. So the quote that I use when um, for this workshop description is something that I always love in this one of my favorite quotes related to personal history and especially working with visual materials. So it says there is in every human countenance, either a history or a prophecy. Mm-hmm. And this is Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And this kind of to me speaks to like the essence of a lot of the work I do with my clients, but uh, to this particular retreat as well. Um, and so the description is basically beyond the self we present to the world and the many roles we play dwells a larger self. How easy it can be to lose touch with this essential natural self. How vital to our own well-being and for the good of the world that we find opportunities to return to that self that dwells within. Join us for a soulful and inspiring weekend in the beauty of the natural world in community with other women. Through writing and mass making, utilizing painting, drawing, collage, printmaking, collecting materials from the magnificent Oregon forest, You'll have the chance to honor your sense of self in the many forms that you take on during this period in your life. This, we- this weekend will also offer you a chance to deeply nourish yourself with delicious meals, a quiet, beautiful retreat setting, and supportive, uplifting company of other women. And no previous art or writing experience necessary. And so this is obviously for women. And this is a way to really offer people that chance to step away from their daily lives, to be taken care of in all, in all ways, and to have a chance to really delve into the creative process of their own personal stories and um, life reflection through these different creative channels. And so Don Thompson, who is the director of Portland Women Writers, and myself will be collaborating on facilitating this weekend. And so uh, participants will have a chance to do a variety of facilitated writing exercises, exploring ideas of their their inner compass and their sense of what moves them and what guides them um, to bringing some of these ideas into the art making realm. And they'll be decorating, creating masks um, that explore some of the concepts we're doing in our writing. And so this is a whole other take on the idea of life storytelling or self-portraits. And people can take it in whatever direction they want. Um, we're going to encourage participants to bring, if they want, reproductions of personal photographs um, and other personal materials, which are the same type of things we'll often use when we're making illustrations for um, our client books. But in this case, they're going to pull from their life and their experience to write and create art in community for the weekend. And there may be people who... Um, 
who are engaged in projects where they, they want a chance to kind of step away and, and really um, develop some new creative content. There may be other people who are really want to come and just have um, an immersive, uh, reflective experience. And so we're really excited about this. We have just a few spots left. So if you are interested, let me know. And you can connect through the website and have all the information. And also, for those that aren't local, this is a great way to not only connect with this region, but lodging and food is provided. Um, and so that's a great opportunity. And this is something, a direction that um, I'm moving into more in my work, because I have found that when I offer half-day retreats in this, in Portland, people come and then they joke that they don't want to leave or they feel like they've uh -huh. been gone for a whole weekend or, you know, and especially um, in this, this demographic of working with women, I have found that just to have somebody prepare a snack for them or have a meal for <laughs> them, you know, and I'm half joking, but it's true. Um, it frees them up to be creative or to be reflective in a way that their daily lives sometimes don't offer or hard, it's hard to access. And yeah. so that is one of the things that I have found in my own practice. I, I like to go on a creative or personal retreat and do my own creative work. And that really fuels me for my client work and my educational work I do. But I've also found that my workshop participants and even my clients crave that chance to really step away. And so this is one area of, of my offerings that I'm really going to be expanding in the coming um, months. And so we're really excited about this one. And this is also just something that could be people could explore in their own businesses, too, um, if that's you know an offering that they want to provide. I think it sounds beautiful. I, <laughs> I wish that Portland weren't quite so far from Kansas City. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful, Lisa. I mean, I think you've, um, yeah, you have a very different slant on things um, in the in the way that you bring in this whole element of transformation and tapping into people's helping people tap into their own creativity, and I think it's a I think it's a great thing to incorporate in the whole sort of philosophy of doing life story work. Sure. Um, yeah. Cause I think you're probably getting at deeper truths through, through some of this. And obviously you're helping people who do have that impulse to do some of this work on their own and they just need a little bit of help. So Absolutely. yeah, I'm so happy to hear about all of it. Great. I am going to put links in the show notes to everything that we talked about, including that that workshop that you are, I'm sorry, that retreat that you were talking about. And that does happen September 20th through September 22nd in 2019. Yep. Um, so we'll link straight to your website and the page that you have on that. And in general, if people want to find you, what website should they go to? Uh, familyheirloomarts.com. Okay. And that's arts with an S on the end. Familyheirloomarts.com. Okay. Well, Lisa, thank you for joining us today and good luck with your retreats and everything else. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And that was the second part of our interview with Lisa Kagan. And again, as I said at the beginning of this episode, next time I will publish the first part of what she and I spoke about, which is really a rundown of her business and things that she does to help her clients. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you found some things that you can take back to your business. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. That helps more people in the industry find this podcast and get the word out that we are here and we are ready to help people who want to have a life story done. As always, thanks for listening, and until next time, go out and save someone's story.